Welcome to the Patient Partner Innovation Community Podcast, a podcast created to inform patients, families, and caregivers about important health transformation topics. Since the 2001 Crossing the Quality Chasm Report by the Institute of Medicine, our nation's healthcare system has recognized its need to improve quality of care by way of six important aims that make healthcare safe, efficient, effective, patient-centered, timely, and equitable. But we cannot hope to cross this chasm and achieve these aims until we make fundamental changes to the whole healthcare system. All levels of this work require dramatic improvements from the patient's experience. So this podcast is dedicated to you, the voices most underutilized resource in healthcare, our patients' voices. Welcome, and we hope you enjoy the Patient Partner Innovation Community Podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Natasha Washington, president and founder of ATW Health Solutions and sponsor for the Patient Partner Innovation Community. Follow the PPIC community online at atwhealth.com. Well, hello, everybody, and thank you guys for tuning in to this week's episode of Patient Partner Innovation Community Podcast, and we're really excited to have our special guest today, Laylise Vernon, joining us. Hello, Laylise. Hi, how are you? Thank you for oh. having me. Oh, yes. Wonderful, wonderful. So today's um, podcast, we're going to really focus on health equity, especially in the space of the Latino community. And so Lelise has done some wonderful things in this space, and I can't wait for you guys to hear all about it. So Lelise, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about yourself and how you got started in this work? Sure. Um, So I should first mention that I am from Argentina. And um, I am the proud mom of three boys. Uh, Brian Vernon was born in uh, Buenos Aires um, some 20 years ago. He was full term and it was a wonderful experience. Um, Then uh, we had the opportunity to move to Brazil with my husband. And then finally, we we came here to the United States. My husband is American and uh, we wanted to give Brian a sibling. So uh, we got twins. Uh, so we got very, very lucky. Uh, however, I uh, I started laboring uh, when I was only 24 weeks of gestational age. And uh, so I was admitted um, and spent uh, four days in labor. And then um, the twins were born at uh, only 25 weeks of gestational age. And they mm-hmm. weighed one pound, 11 ounces. And they stayed four months in the NICU here in Baptist Children's Hospital in Miami. And so during our four-month stay in the NICU, I learned about all the things that we don't know uh, in medicine and all the different dynamics that families have um, in a situation where two very fragile, very vulnerable babies are in the NICU when you're not in control of the situation. Mm-hmm. And um, as a Latina, I think I had a set of expectations on mm-hmm. how the communication and the dynamic of care delivery was going to be, and it wasn't the case. And so I, um, when the twins were four years old, I, I came back to the NICU and I started the uh, 
parent advisory council. Okay. Uh, but, but yeah, and we were very successful. We, we, we did great things for two and a half years. But then um, as much as I value uh, the presence of uh, peer support at the bedside, I grew interested in moving to the other side of the isolate is what I call jumping the isolate mm-hmm. and moving from working with families to working with the clinical team. And um, so I was invited by the hospital to participate in quality improvement projects with the Vermont Oxford Network. And um, so I started learning more about uh, quality improvement and uh, ways to partner with uh, healthcare professionals in order to address the needs of families and babies um, in a way that would impact the outcomes of mm-hmm. babies like my children. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how this all started some almost 20, 12 years ago. Oh. And um, yeah, and uh so ever since I've been involved with uh, with Vaughn, um, I've been a co-investigator in the, the Stanford um, Lab, Dr. Profit, and the CPQCC, and the National Network of State Perinatal Quality Committees, and the um, Clinical Guidelines uh, Creation um, Forum for the American College of Physicians. And my latest project is uh, a partnership with the Necrotizing Enterocolitis Society and PCORI, where we are coming together, patients and families are coming together with um, physicians and scientists and researchers to, uh, to make some impact and um, some, some discoveries with NEC and, and address the needs of, of NEC nowadays. So it's been a very, wow. very exciting road, yes. Yes. You have been extremely, extremely busy. I remember, and I'm just take it back a little bit. I remember when I first met you, it was at Vaughn, which is, and I'm going to let you explain to our listeners exactly what Vaughn is, Oxford Network, and it was at um, a, a, the meeting where all of the advisors got together. And I just have to say, I want to, I wish I had some bells or something to shake because I have seen so much growth in where you started as a patient and family advisor and mm-hmm. you have just taken this opportunity and really, really grown it into something dynamic. So kudos to you for that, you know, and it's really refreshing because I think a lot of times, especially for new patient and family advisors, when they're first kind of initially engaged in the work, they think that they have to just stay in that one space and that, you know, as, as we grow in anything in life, things change, our interests change and we see, and I I love the fact that you're now kind of engaging the providers and the researchers and working, you know, with that to kind of especially address health equity. So first let's go back a little bit. How Mm -hmm. about you explain to our listeners, what exactly is Vaughn? I know I use Vaughn terms all the time. You've used Vaughn. What is Vermont Oxford Network? Uh, the Vaughn, let's just call it Vaughn, uh, is a nonprofit uh, collaboration of more than 1,200 centers from more than 30 countries around the world. And uh, they work together to improve the quality, safety, and value of care of uh, babies and families through data driven quality improvement, education, and research. And 
perhaps what sets Vaughn uh, aside from all other entities around the world is the fact that they invite all participating NICUs to bring a family partner as a team member of their yes. quality improvement project, which is love it. Yes, which is incredible. And also, um, uh, Vaughn shows their true investment into partnering with families by having faculty family leaders. And uh, I, am, I have the great honor to be one of them. And so um, in, in our collaboration and in our partnership with the units at Vaughn and as faculty, we uh, actively work with um, uh, NICUs from around the country, uh, developing you know, tools and addressing quality improvement and really being active uh, partners of, mm -hmm. of the whole process. And it's really fascinating. Um, it's it's fascinating to see to see improvement. You know, it's mm -hmm. we are we are the families that have an outcome at home. Mm -hmm. uh, you you have the answer, and I have um, my children, Bobby and Charlie, my twins. And mm -hmm. so you know, when when we talk about quality improvement and outcomes, the the, the part that I always say there's if you have a, a family in your team, it's not uh, whether you can do improvement mm -hmm. you will mm -hmm. do it because we the families mm -hmm. are totally investing uh, you know uh, in 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 really figuring out um mm -hmm. the, the better outcomes for, for yeah absolutely and so you know i kind of want to take this conversation in a, in health equity um direction because you know I live, I live and breathe as you do too, health equity and disparities and that whole thing. But I was particularly moved. I remember I saw you at um, Institute for Patient and Family Center yeah. Care Conference, and you talked about a health disparities project that, I, that you're partnering with Dr. Profit on. And you talked about those communication strategies, those barriers for our, our Latino-speaking families, Hispanic-speaking families, because a lot of times there's I'm in Houston, and so Houston mm -hmm. has a large Latino population. And sure. in in the light of our government climate and everything that's going on, I've really seen where our families have become very introverted and not as open to communicate because they're afraid. And so I kind of want you to kind of touch on a little bit of that and tell us, like, what you guys are working on and what have you seen, what has worked, what has been your experiences with those Hispanic families? Well, it's been a really fascinating uh, experience. Um, and, and to be honest, I was not aware of these persistent disparity gaps um, in healthcare. For, for some reason, I thought that the NICU was a cocoon. And, and it certainly is not. And so um, within our group, we have um, uh, another mom, Ashley, and, um, and so uh, myself. And I had the opportunity to conduct uh, interviews in Spanish to local families in California. And, um, and it was great. It was great. We, we could, um, by, by the gift of language, uh, I was able to reach to these families and um, and really get a, a, a deep insight of how the experience of having a baby in the NICU is for uh, uh, for a Latina. And 
there are there are several things that I took away from it, and uh, we would mm-hmm. need you know ten more podcasts for this. <laughs> but um, I think that the, the first my first change and something that I brought to to the rest of my colleagues at Vaughn was the, the concept of family, mm-hmm. um, because we we were we were calling ourselves the parent advisory council or parents coming along, mm-hmm. and. For these immigrant families, it was really the concept of family was a lot broader. Um, mm-hmm. Family extended to um, those other immigrants' families that are really the caregivers for uh, NICU graduates. Okay. Um, many of these Latinos come to this country uh, by themselves, and um, many forge their their social uh, and emotional network uh, support network at work mm-hmm. and um and so it was it was very interesting to really explore or or i should say re-explore i, I am latina myself but i i really thought that the situation would be slightly different for latinos in in the u.s but it was not okay um and then other barriers you know the the, the language barrier that um was huge and and how these families are collaborating with NICUs to develop mechanisms to address um, that language need, um, mm-hmm. and um, and really um, the, uh, the the peer to peer support uh, mm-hmm. came through to me uh, very very strong. I started. Uh, I had a script, of course, um, because this is all data driven. So I had to follow uh, yeah. a script and. Um, so my first interview started by just going through the uh, to the script, and at the very end, I mentioned that I was um, a Latina and I had also uh, children that had been in the NICU. Mm-hmm. But then there was a change in our dialogue. So the, for the next interview, I flipped it, and I started by saying, "Hey, I am Latina and I am also a NICU mom, and mm-hmm. I have my my kids in the NICU and." Um, and so how was your experience as a Latina? Because I was there too. And yeah. really the, the results I got, the, the, the response and the, and the insights were a lot more powerful, I feel. And mm-hmm. it was really this, you know, this sisterhood of, oh, from, from one mom to another, you understand yeah. my, my cultural base. Mm-hmm. For, for the experience that that we share, it was very very interesting, and and we're still you know working on it. Um, we've done a number of presentations after um, collaborating with the Institute of uh, Patient and Family Center Care. We've been in PAS, and and um, yeah, more that, to that, come. That is, uh, you know, and I think about you know we often talk about cultural competency and language and I think what you're speaking of speaks volumes of what does this really look like at the point Mm -hmm. of contact so you know all these fancy buzzwords and things that we read on charts and and (laughs) and algorithms and what have you but it's you know relating to that patient you know it's like I think about me and my situation and um, being an African-American woman in this space and you know it's and I know, you know, as a mom, it is a sisterhood in the NICU, but having that cultural kind of bond together, like I'm able mm-hmm. to relate to you, I'm able to understand where you're coming from and you understand where I'm coming from. So it really speaks volume to bring in why we need as many diverse 
you know, as we can, you know, patient partners in this space so that we can address everyone. And so everyone is more comfortable to share because if, you know, you come in and it's that white coat syndrome, right? When the physicians come in and all mm-hmm. seems like all our questions seem to fall out of our head that we had before. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it just, you know, I, it, that, that sounds really, really good. And so I'm excited to see where you guys are going and hopefully <laughs> you'll keep me informed of things to come and maybe we'll do an update later on down the road. I don't we know. Should. Yeah, <laughs> sure. So, you know, is there anything else that you, you want to share with our listeners in that space? And if not, I have a, a few more questions for you. Well, the one thing that I wanted to share with you is that uh, as part of our work um, at uh, the Stanford Lab is that uh, we put together a 10 action tips for acculturation of the NICU. And that is available in the CPQCC website. And okay. I think they also promoted it on Twitter. So, okay. and that's, uh, that's one of the things that we've done to advance, mm-hmm. um, you know, addressing disparities because the, the big thing with disparities in healthcare is that we don't, we don't, you know, we don't, uh, we don't have any tools to, to, to monitor disparities. Yes, right. Yes. So yes. we can't evaluate it. We can't develop mechanisms to address the disparities. So, um, so that that would be interesting. I, I would invite everybody to to take a look at, at that. Yes, absolutely. And and I didn't know that you guys were doing that. That is absolutely amazing. And you know, mm-hmm. you know, you said something uh, earlier. You know, that really spoke volumes about data driven outcomes. And so we know, you know, we do these different collaboratives. We do these different initiatives. It gives us the warm, touchy feelings, which is really great. However, having that data piece to support what we're doing really opens the gate for others to to kind of share and spread the work and, and get more involved. So I love that you guys are using a tool to kind of track the disparities because not a lot of people are doing that out here in this space. So I can't wait to take a look at that. I will definitely share that on our patient partner innovation community network so that others can kind of chime in and do that too. So, you know, this has been a wonderful conversation and, you know, I really, really enjoyed hearing all the things that you are doing over there. But I have one final question for you. And so as a patient, as a caregiver, and even a provider, what are some tips that you can give them to make their systems a lot more equitable? Uh, The first tip would be to listen. It's, It's very, very easy, but it's actually quite hard (laughs) (laughs) yeah it is it is it is i Um, totally agree with that uh you know um listen to those um uh diverse populations that you're serving Mm -hmm. um i'm telling you people and families do share their needs i Mm -hmm. think that we have a chronic inability to take note Mm -hmm. and i know for a fact after almost 12 years of working on this uh, that uh, culture change takes mm-hmm. a lot of time and a lot yes. of energy. It's very, oh, yes. very hard to let go of old habits. Mm-hmm. And so um, a better acculturation of a unit is going to come hand in hand with family centeredness. And mm-hmm. um, uh, so in order 
to be family-centered. Um, you know, units need to not just invite families, graduate families, to come and collaborate in the NICU, but really embrace them as partners in care in all levels mm -hmm. of healthcare delivery. Um, in their organizational part, in their administration, in their quality improvement projects, in their peer-to-peer -peer, in uh, efforts, in their mentoring efforts, um, and uh, and really have at the table the population you serve. Yes. Um, you know, if you're in Houston, make sure you have those Latino families mm -hmm. um, at the table because mm -hmm. there is one takeaway from all these uh, many, many, many meetings uh, and projects that I have had the opportunity to be involved is that when mm -hmm. the family and the patient are at the table, the dynamic of the work changes. Absolutely. Uh, it, it changes the way people look at projects, uh, it changes the dialogue, and it sh certainly shapes the way things are done. Um, and so we, we just... Uh, we, we still have a tremendous amount of work oh, yeah. ahead of us, but my, 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 personal, my personal recommendation was, it would be to, to sit with those patients and families that, that represent not just mm -hmm. one part of your population. Um, and hopefully we can just all work together. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I tell people, and this sounds very cliche, but I, I actually use this term today. I tell people teamwork makes the dream work. And so, you know, yeah. we all have to work together as a team, no matter what side of the fence you're sitting on, we've got to come together and we have to make sure that, like you said, all the voices are represented at the table and not just on the table. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's sure. been, it has been a pleasure, ladies. I look forward to, you know, an update in the future and engaging you more. And I've learned something. So, you know, I hope that our listeners have enjoyed this podcast. So thank you so much for joining us this afternoon, no, Laylee. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. And as always, we want to thank our partners and wonderful sponsor, Dr. Natasha Washington and ATW Health Solutions. And as always, guys, be engaged. Follow the PPIC community online at atwhealth.com.